Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And today I have with us Cirque Kitchen and Brandon Becker. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into uh, owning your own food truck. Um, well, I was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, good place to live if you are a Packer fan or a football fan. Um, but I kind of went a different route and needed to get out of the state and especially that city. So I went to college in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, first for graphic design. Um, after nearly getting my degree, I decided that I hated sitting behind a computer desk. Um, and I was in the culinary lab kind of working on a computer and, uh, a chef instructor, um, kind of came and said that I looked miserable and he and I had a good chat and he wanted me to come into the, into a cooking program because, you know, pretty much I was working in restaurants paying for college anyways, but I never thought of it as a viable solution. Um, that chef instructor was Seth Bixby Dotery, um, 2005 food and wines, best new chef. Um, he started the, uh, no kid hungry campaign in Minneapolis and he's cooked for Michelle Obama and the Obamas and cooked for the white house and started something really spectacular. Um, and he took me under his wing. And, you know, that started my culinary journey where I decided to do it professionally. Um, I worked throughout all of Minneapolis, um, working for a number of James Beard winning chefs, um, did a giant stint at the Grave 601 Hotel, working at Cosmos and Bradstreet Craft House. Um, and then through that, I was able to do some stages at some pretty amazing places throughout the country. Um, then I took a leap and moved to Denver, Colorado, um, where I started as the executive sous chef at 1515 Restaurant um, under Gene Tang. And then through that, I worked as executive sous chef um, at Atticus, Boone's Tavern, Rosedale, um, formerly as Rose, sorry, Boone's Tavern, formerly now the Rosedale and Blackbird Public House, and then I became the executive chef of Blackbird Public House and kind of did consulting for the other two restaurants, and after leaving Blackbird, I became the executive chef of Red Square European Bistro. Um, I did that for two years, and then I got the opportunity to do a consulting and change a concept for the district, and that didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Um, as I found working for others, you have to share in their vision as well. And you kind of can't always do the kind of food you want. And after feeling frustrated, I reached out to my now business partner to see if he was still interested in opening something on his own. And the next day we got the funds and we got started on kitchen and spirits and yeah now here i am i got the food truck i got the catering company and i do private events and pop-ups 
So I love this, and I love what you're doing with the food truck because you're doing something that's different than your stereotypical street food, um, if you will. So, I, I mean, tell us about that. Tell us about your food that you're producing and sort of, I mean, you're going against the normal grind, which is what entrepreneurs do. They, they change things and they make things different. So tell us about that. Yeah, so Cirque Kitchen and Spirits um, mission statement is to connect people around the globe through food because food is a connection for everybody more so than anything else. And, you know, what I want to do is bring my fine dining background because that's all I know. Um, that's kind of all I was trained in was upscale dining and stuff like that. So I bring that into the food truck. We change our menu every six weeks to a different region, country, or theme. Um, and we source all of our food locally as sustainable as possible, um, organic, and never from a can. You know, we... I tend to do more elevated food because, you know, street food essentially is kind of boring to me. You can get tacos and burgers and pizza from, and mac and cheese and barbecue from anywhere. I mean, anywhere. You can do that stuff at home. And I'm the type of person where, you know, I can do it at home. Why am I going to go out and spend money on the same thing from other places? So I want to do stuff that's different, unique and restaurant quality on wheels because well i'm looking at your website right now and right now is moroccan heritage so this is the menu you've had change it but i mean there's some of the the coolest things here um and the dishes that you have this saffron rice pilaf and i can't even say it the tangine of lamb and the the seafood tangine and um, all of these things and you sort of change your menu every six weeks because i agree with you one of the things and I think it's popular about street food is that you can go out there and you can, can get your stereotypical, your pizza, your pasta, your mac and cheese, your, your things. But there isn't anyone out there that's doing what you're doing, which is bringing a difference in having the flexibility to do it. Like with a restaurant, I feel like you're less flexible to be able to change your, your menu for people and on, on the way that you're doing it. But because you're in a food truck and you can have nine items, you can change from region to region. So, I mean, let's dive into that a little more. I mean, how do you come up with your, your items that you're going to put onto your food truck and how do you pick a region? Um, well that it all, it all, I mean, yeah, wow. That's a tough one. Um, it all depends really. Um, I'm a very creative person, so, you know, I go out in the woods and I look at stuff. Um, I read. I read so much. I mean, I've read pretty much all of my books, which are over 150, um, at least four times over, and I just gain knowledge. And when picking a region or something like that, um, it kind of just comes to me, you know, like after the Moroccan heritage, um, we did an American Springs, and that one was unfortunately not on my website because I was slammed all the time. But uh, that American Spring menu, um, we focused on indigenous ingredients across the United States, you know, focusing on green garlic, scapes, morels, ram, um, things that grew in the wild that you couldn't necessarily cultivate 
and I wanted to focus on, you know, what cool thing spring has and the growth of Mother Nature and coming into the summertime. And that's something that <coughs> you can't really, you know, do with a standard food truck menu. So my knowledge and experience from everywhere I've worked and all of my travels has kind of led me to develop this and to see different cultures myself and want to bring that to um, Denver. Um, my new menu that is launching today is a seafood um, through the coastal areas in the ocean. And that's think of being by the water and not having greasy fried food and focusing, you know, on light, um, light seafood and fresh ingredients. And, you know, that's what inspired me to write this menu. Well, and I, I, I love all the concepts. I mean, the Tokyo takeover menu, as I've been following you in, and we've been talking over the last few months to try to get you on the podcast. I've sort of obviously done my homework to prepare for the podcast, but I just love your creativity and I love what you're doing. You're not sticking to a standard menu in a food truck like so many food trucks do. I mean, sometimes we've had a few on the show that have varied it in, in some of the places, but not to the exude people on a regular basis. So if I want variety, because I'm the type of person that I, and wherever I am, I want to try it. But the fact that you're bringing it to me is, is such an amazing experience. What has been your favorite menu so far that you've created? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. The Tokyo takeover menu was really good. Um, it was in the winter time. I feel if I did it in the springtime, I might have done a little more in sales. Um, but you know, like I said, everything kind of hits me in the spur of the moment. And when I was thinking winter, I was thinking ramen because you know, um, it is hot and it's cold in the winter time. But I will think to be perfectly honest. Um, Last year around this time, I did was really special to me because, you know, Anthony Bourdain was a huge star in the chef world and, and you know, and people's world in general. And to be able to go back through and watch Parts Unknown and read his books and, you know, find the things that he really loved and I did that and that was, that was a really special menu because it meant more than just creating something it was creating something in someone's vision um and that one was really cool yeah and i want to read some of the the things that you had on there there um this sesame roasted cauliflower which sounds amazing uh potato balls um a mediterranean roasted hummus uh korean fried chicken wings uh a tandoori chicken sandwich uh, a grilled mortadella uh, and cheese sandwich, and uh, Tony po- uh, tuna pokey, uh, a pan yang uh, curry, and a garden noki. So I mean, it's just all of those items sound delicious and and such a great variety. As you talk about that that menu, and I mean, so do you spend? I mean, how do you? Okay, let's talk about. I, you've picked a region, you picked a food style for each one of these and, and sort of standardize it for six weeks to make sure you can do it on a truck. So I mean the beginning. Um, other chefs have standardized recipes or anything like that, but 
I've been cooking for over 13 years in a lot of fast-paced, um, upscale restaurants. And, you know, not to sound cocky or anything like that, but, you know, I'm really good at what I do with flavor and profiles. And like I said, the extensive reading that I've done um, and working with ratios and stuff like that, I have been able to get flavor profiles and make everything my own. I don't follow any recipes. Everything I do is in my head. I never really write any recipes down. Um, I'm the one that does all of the prep for the food truck. Um, I have a staff of two people, uh, Clark and Harold, and they, they execute everything in my vision. I work with them and I put everything together and show them how it's done and show them how it's supposed to taste. And they nail executing that every single time. And all I do is prep everything and make sure that it's ready for them to go. Well, and I love that. I think that it's allows you to be creative and I'll just, I'll sort of use a weird comparison. So the audience understands it's like, uh, when there's certain rappers, uh, in hip hop that, can actually they don't write down their lyrics uh they actually just go into the booth uh jay-z and and little wayne being two of what comes to them because they have so much experience being in that industry and i feel like it's the same for you as a chef at least i think i'm understanding what you're saying is you sort of feel it um flavor profiles that are required to do what you're doing and you create and that's basically what it is so each food is is a creation of your own as you come up with the idea freestyle so yeah, I kind of freestyle yeah. all of all of that, and you know, and I think that's what makes it unique. Um, because um, to me, experience is not consistency; it's uh, taste. So you know, if it tastes good one time, and I'm able to make it taste a little better the next time, it's an evolving process all throughout the the menu cycle because each and every time I re-prep something, I re-tweak it, I reimagine it and it tastes different every time. So it's always evolving and it's not stagnant. And I think, you know, a lot of people view that consistency of taste is what you're striving for. And, you know, to, it's consistency is death. It's staying stagnant. It's not trying to do better. So every time that I have to re-prep something, I reimagine it and see what I can do to make it taste better each and every time. And so, so it's fun for me and it makes me evolve. And I love that. So I want to pause where we are, but in how do people find you? Where, where are you guys on social media? Um, and how can they find your food truck and where you're located to try your, your food? Um. Well, you can find all of our location dates on our website, cirkkitchen at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at cirkkitchen. Um, I think I have a Twitter, probably at cirkkitchen, but I never use it because I don't believe in tweeting. Um, and yeah, we're at Civic Center Eats every Wednesday for this year. We're at Jazz in the Park every Sunday this year. We're at multiple farmer's markets, the Stapleton, the Cherry Creek, um, and the Rhino Farmer's Market. Um, we're 
all the big events, you can probably find us there. You know, the truck stop rallies, all of that. Um, and yeah, find us on Facebook and follow us and you'll see where we are. And so how did you, I mean, are these events you got invited to, or is it something that you've reached out to the people or you knew them or because of the uniqueness of your truck, you're, you're, you're sort of good for these type of events because you give a different offering than what all the other food trucks are doing? Um, to be honest, it's a mixture of all three of them. I've officially been in business for year one. So for my first year. So last year I reached out to everybody, you know, and begged and pleaded to, you know, have them give me, me being a chef in Denver for the longest time. Um, I got some connections through some pretty good breweries. Um, you know, ratio was the first brewery that gave me a chance and, that I've been able to go to a couple other breweries you know I'm still not in any of the big breweries here in Denver but you know it's a learning curve and you know Civic Center Eats they gave me the chance without even trying my food last year and that blew them out of the park and now you know I'm back there again this year I wasn't able to get into jobs in the park last year but you know they saw what I've been doing and all of that and boom I'm in there this year and, you know, I'm looking forward to serving everybody there and proving to the staff at Jazz in the Park that, you know, they made a great choice. Two parts to me and they love what I'm doing. Um, So, you know, they invite me back um, this year as well. So I think it's, you know, uh, I worked hard. I begged and pleaded and I showed people that I can make everything work. And yeah, because my menu is so unique. Um, you know, no one's doing what I'm doing. So it's a very cool thing to have. Well, and I love it because on our previous episode, we also talked to your girlfriend, Samantha, um, new and what she's doing in the collaboration you guys have. So there's this whole, um, you guys are like a little bit of a force to be reckoned with because you guys are all doing something that's different than what is stereotypical in your industries, you know, for her and you also do catering, but you guys are taking something that's normal and where you only have certain options or this is a food truck and this is what you get only. And this is my theme to, Hey, I'm going to do the whole world theme and I don't have necessarily a theme, but my theme is that I'm going to offer you great food from around the world or, or, and change it every six weeks. And it's not just, a menu change or a special change. It's like, I can offer you anything that I put my mind to and create something new and bring it to you wherever you are. And you're at these events. And if you're want to explore different flavor profiles and, and really good food, it doesn't necessarily have to come from a restaurant. It can come from a food truck. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, you know, with, the food truck and stuff like that is I want to change people's concepts of a food truck and bring restaurant quality food to the streets. And, you know, we do that with our caterings as well. And, you know, our pop-ups and yeah, uh, Samantha, my girlfriend, chef and owner of Eclat Culinary, her and I work outstanding together. Um, and it's, you know, because we both have that, passion and commitment and the ability to cook things from scratch 
and not, you know, pre-batch anything and make things fresh for people there. Um, yeah, the two of us together are a force to be reckoned with, you know. Separate, we're both great at what we do, but when you put us together, you know, it exceeds even our expectations because um, we work so well together. Our strengths are, you know, very our strengths in different areas where I come from fine dining and she's more catering and her back on like that. And to be able to mix and match both of those together, you know, it's outstanding. And I'm very lucky to have found her and have her in my life because yeah, we're doing some pretty amazing things. We're starting an underground pop-up company called Avantgarde and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where that goes as well. Yeah, and I and I just want to put a note out there that as you guys get that off the ground, I'd love to have you back on the show in a few months and just talk about that and how that's going because I really like your story and I like how we've sort of told it separately, um, but we're also going to get maybe get a chance to tell it together and how you guys and continue to tell both your stories just from your separate businesses standpoint. So um, I appreciate you guys sharing that for sure, and you know. Brandon, what are some of the the hardships that you've had um, in getting to where you are with starting a food truck and, and getting it off the ground and and sort of switching from fine dining to food trucks? Um, fear. Fear is the biggest killer in anyone's dreams or aspirations. I was afraid for a while. Um, this was kind of offered to me five years ago and I just kind of blew it off because I was like, well, I'm just going to stay in fine dining and work with people I know. But the more I was doing it and the more I wanted to be creative, you know, the more owners pushed back and said, you know, people won't understand that you can't do that. And, you know, it kind of put me in a bubble where I had to dumb down what I wanted to do. And, you know, that's still a struggle to this day, um, especially on the food truck. Um, not necessarily because I don't have the freedom to do what I want to do. Um, the pop-ups that I do and the pop-ups that Samantha and I did, um, definitely was my envisionment and what I wanted in fine dining. Um, but on the food truck, you know, I don't expect people to be paying 35 to $75 for some food on a food truck. Um, so, you know, I kind of have to dumb it down to keep it in a price range, but still make it good in the quality that I want. Um, and even that's kind of a struggle because some of my menus, you know, I don't, I don't offer those basic things. You know, I made a vow that I will never serve French fries, hamburgers, hot dogs, tacos, or burgers on my menu. So, you know, those are things that everybody's used to. And, you know, I miss out on some sales because my food is too adventurous or too out there for certain people to try. Um, but I've learned to not let that stop me. Um, I've learned to be creative and, you know, kind of push people's boundaries on food, you know. Food Food still makes people uncomfortable, especially in Colorado. It's still a growing city, and it's nowhere like, you know, New York City, Minneapolis, Chicago, San Francisco, or any of those bigger cities. It's 
it's a young town, a young city, and it's still growing. Um, so what I'm doing with the food truck is kind of pushing those boundaries. Um, a huge mentor of mine and someone that I look up to greatly, um, Daniel Hum, uh, he's the chef and owner of 11 Madison Park and the Nomad. He went off to L.A. and he opened the Nomad food truck to kind of get the feel for the city and stuff like that before he opened his uh, Nomad Hotel in Los Angeles. And me reading about that and, you know, understanding the type of person that he is because, you know, he's someone that I look up to greatly. Um, and you know, he pushed the boundaries because the Nomad in Los Angeles is very different from the Nomad in New York City. And, you know, I thought that was a cool way to start a brick and mortar. So, you know, hence the kitchen food truck is I don't want to dumb down my food enough to, you know, to not be me and not be true to myself. I want to make sure that I'm sticking true to my philosophy. So, you know, if I put fries on the menu, they're not necessarily French fries. You know, I do them in a special way. You know, I make them out of polenta. This current menu, I'm making them out of grits. And I'm reinventing the fries, so to speak. Um, and then same thing with tacos. I'm not going to serve them on a tortilla. I'm going to, you know, deconstruct them and have um, a bib lettuce and something like that you know, to kind of show people that tacos aren't necessarily tacos, you know, a taco is basically a vessel for something that you fold up and put in your mouth. So anything could really be a taco. Um, but people aren't used to that. So it's changing people's view and mindset of what food can be and making it adventurous and making them uncomfortable to try something and then come back and be like, holy cow, I can't believe that was that amazing. I, I definitely agree with that, um, well, particularly in Denver, and I've spent a lot of my life in living in New York City as well as Washington, D.C., and, and spent a lot of time in San Francisco for work, is that um, those places do push people's boundaries in food with the, the amount of variety of food that are out there and, and chef entrepreneurs that have come up, but I see these things happening in Denver as well with chefs like you, Brandon, and what you're doing and pushing. And I think it's an amazing thing to diversify people's palates because I think it's just so important. There's so many different foods out there and fruits and vegetables and from around the world. And it's just to get it in people's mouth. I think there's a whole adventure out there just in food that you're bringing to people and I think it's important for people to go out and try new things. And I think the other part is, is it helps us understand cultures. And, and when we travel the world and things like that, you don't want to go eating hot dogs and hamburgers when you go to Morocco. Why would I do that? That doesn't quite make any sense. You know, we often go to places as Americans, go into the American hotels and eat American foods in the hotels instead of, a, you know, really indulging in the local foods and wines and, and beverages or whatever. So I love that you're actually bringing it to the people like you're bringing the, the coast to Denver, you know, cause we're a landlocked state uh, in Colorado and you're bringing all this seafood to people for them to try, but in a very good upper, um, 
level, you know, way like high quality food, like just not just throwing it on a sandwich bun or just throwing it out there. You're doing it in a way that actually delivers food and flavor profiles in a great way. And not only that, you're, you're sort of disrupting the stereotypical street food model in that good food can be produced on food trucks and it can be delivered to people in a way that people like and enjoy. And so I think there's just so much there to what you're doing. And not to mention that we go back to the fear thing that you had the bravery to do it and the courage to do it. Because I think a lot of people out there get stuck in street food has to be this model and it's the only way it's going to work and it's the only way catering is going to work. But it doesn't have to be that way because everyone else does it that way. And Exactly. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that. We do things a lot of the time. And, and I run in this in, in food and entrepreneurs all the time and people I coach and mentor and talk to. It's like, you know, that's great that you have an idea, but your idea is still within the same box that everyone else is doing it in. If you want to be successful, it's not, you know, you want to be more than successful you can you can do okay doing what everyone else does and finding your own niche within that. But really, the reality is is to be successful as an entrepreneur and food and beverage and all that, you have to take what everyone else is doing and do it so differently that it doesn't fit into a box. We often look at ideas and try to apply it to the box that already exists. But in your case, you're taking the food truck concept, but you're actually applying it fully to to almost fine dining, but you're disrupting both by being able to change your menu every six weeks. And, and I mean, I cannot, honestly, I'm already can hear the comments coming back and forth from the, the podcast as it gets released. Cause people always ask questions. It's like, well, how can you do it? And why would you switch it? But the reality is, is you're get, giving something different to everyone. So I know wherever I find Cirque Kitchen that I'm going to have a different menu every time I go there. And I can try everything on your menu for six weeks if I'm, if I'm there that often. But in another six weeks, I get six or nine different options that I get to try for six weeks. And I think what you're doing mm-hmm. is just so amazing. And it's going to be hard for the, the person that puts everything into a box to understand that I can't just go to the food truck and get what I like every time. But it's really this adventure and food that you're creating and you're bringing it to everyone uh, wherever you go. And I love that. I really, I think it's just hugely awesome what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, like I said, you know, part of the reason is, is I don't want to get bored. When I get bored, I get angry and anxious and, that's not who I want to be. So being able to change my menu, not only gives me the freedom to be more creative and explore new avenues and options, you know, it's the same for the customer because, you know, how many times can you go to a taco truck and, you know, you go to a different taco truck and they have the same options as the previous taco truck. You know, it's like I said, tacos are tacos. You need to be able to change your palate and change your mindset and do something different and yeah that's what a lot of people fear i think is being vulnerable and you know that's been part of the hardships of the food truck is being vulnerable and you know some menus aren't as um good as the others um because the fact that people don't know or understand the food that i'm doing 
and you know it's not that it's not good it's just that people are uncomfortable with it so they go to what they know so i have to you know push hard and you know educate people and the people that do come and try my food they they come back and they know that it's good um i have a special type of clientele and it's it is it's difficult you know most food trucks you go to they have a lot of menu items under ten dollars my menu items start at around ten dollars and go all the way up to 20 sometimes just based on you know what we have and seasonality and sourcing high-end ingredients you know costs a little more and the people that are willing to try it and put their money towards the cause and everything else, you know, it's a great reward for them. And so, I mean, do you source all your stuff locally then? Um, yes, I source everything as local as possible. Um, you know, when I do my meats and proteins, I use Tenali's meats, which, you know, they source everything from Nyman Ranch here in Colorado. Um, so the price is higher than most commodity meats at like Restaurant Depot, Shamrock, Cisco, U.S. Foods. You know, it's local high-end products, so it's a higher price point. Um, you know, I source my produce from the Fresh Guys and Growers Organic, which source through local farms here in Colorado. And Fresh Guys sources through sustainable and organic farms across the country. Um, so, you know, if I'm getting ramps and stuff like that, you know, those are coming from the indigenous Midwest and mountain states like Oregon and stuff like that. And, you know, people are going out in the woods and finding these things. So, you know, I'm paying $24 a pound for morels or $21 a pound for ramps and stuff like that. And, you know, that's always in reflected into the price because you know people have to pay money for things that are good no i'm not cheap i mean you can taste my my tomatoes on my truck versus tomato on a different truck because i'm sourcing from local organic purveyors and you know they're getting stuff from restaurant depot you know you can taste the quality you can taste the difference in the food well, and I agree with that 100%. I think that people are, we're, we're at the very beginning of it. And I think there's probably one to 2% of the people that really understand the difference of where their food is coming from. And it is just so important that you get higher quality stuff. If you want real flavor and you want stuff to be good for you and you want your kids to eat the fruits and vegetables, you got to source it from a place that actually keeps the flavor in it and, and does it in the right ways and in a high quality. And yes, you have to spend more right now until we as consumers demand the highest quality always. And there's more supply of higher quality foods. Um, we're just, it's just going to be that way. But I, love what you're doing and what you're saying because it it's exactly spot on you want better flavors you want good food you want healthier food you want clean label food and food made from scratch is going to cost more because 
you're having to source higher quality items. And it's so important in the flavor of food and how it's delivered to people that we understand that for sure. So Bryn, as we wrap things up, um, I want to just, is there anything you would love to tell the audience about being an entrepreneur uh, from your experience? Yeah, you know, the things that I love about being an entrepreneur is I'm able to create my own schedule, do what I want. You know, I'm, I'm able to travel more so now than I was when I was working for someone else. Um, you know, writing your own schedule is key. Um, you know, when you're stuck working for someone else, you're stuck with the hours they give you. And if you don't like it, they'll find someone else. And, you know, that's difficult. Um, being my own boss and an entrepreneur, you know, I set my prices so I'm able to make a little money and I'm able to pay my employees a living wage because I think that's important. You know, my cooks average on a good day, you know, 18 to $20 an hour with all of their tips. Um, and to me, that's important. You know, I want you know, I want my staff to be able to live and thrive and I listen to them, you know, when they're tired, I give them breaks. Um, I don't burn them out. I don't, you know, I treat, I treat my staff as people. And, you know, I think that's cool is if more entrepreneurs do that for staff, you know, the whole dilemma of the depressed chef and all of these problems in the kitchens will go away because, you know, you're giving, you're giving your staff options and you're treating them like human beings and being an entrepreneur, I'm able to help in that. Um, and to me, that's very important. Um, the other things that I love about it is I'm able to travel multiple places with my food truck and my business and my catering and see different people and see the reactions on their faces and, you know, truly get in with my concept of connecting people through food. And that's very important. Um, yeah. I mean, those are all the positives. Um, if I would say anything about any kind of negatives on starting your own business is it's scary you know, you don't have a consistent paycheck. You have to work hard for every single thing you do. You have to manage your money very well um, and, you know, predict things for the slow season. And, you know, being in business for officially one year, um, I definitely saw those hardships of the wintertime. And, you know, it is. It's it's scary, but, you know, I think if anything, that fear, you know, drives you, it drives you to make sure that you're not going to fail and it pushes you beyond limits that you think you're capable of, but, you know, you can't be stuck in that fear. And I think that's what a lot of people do is they get to this glass ceiling and they're like, well, this is as far as I can go. But once you push through that glass ceiling, you know, you find out there's another level and then you keep striving and keep pushing and keep going. But so many people hit that ceiling and they're like, that, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to stay back here where I'm at. And, you know, what I can say is 
don't don't do that. Believe in yourself and push, and you'll make it happen. I agree with that 100%, and I actually agree with everything you said. I think treating your employees is so important and actually raising the level and the ability for our employees to make money and make ends meet and provide for their family versus what's stereotypical is is part of our jobs as an entrepreneur. I think we should make people's lives better. And it's so important that we do that and we help people in that way and help them grow. And the other part that I love that you're doing is as an entrepreneur is you're, you're giving people something in, in a whole different flavor profile and bringing food to them that may be out of their comfort zone and forcing people to, to, you know, explore that. And I think that it's so important for our understanding of the world that we try other food from other places because we all eat and it's just a common ground for us to sort of break down cultural barriers and things like that from around the world and things that we have going on. That's why I really love that you did the Moroccan menu. And lastly, I just love that you're, that you're right. You know, we often get stuck as human beings in places and we don't want to go any further to your glass ceiling uh, analogy. And we just need to break through it as human beings and be entrepreneurs and, and live our lives every day. And we only get one chance at it. So why not go for it and, and get over our fears? So Brandon, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I really look forward to having you and Samantha back on, uh, number one, to continue to tell your stories. And, and both of you have been in business for about a year or so. I'm looking forward to continue to tell your stories about the food trucks and the catering and, and where your story goes, you know, six months from now and a year from now. So I would love to have you guys back on the podcast and also talk about your, your pop-ups and where that's going to go in your collaboration. So again, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And I hope people hear my story and, you know, they get inspired. Because that's what it's about, you know. Um, everyone says you only live once, and I completely disagree with that. You only die once. You live every day. So why not make the best of it? Well, and I like that a lot, and, and thank you. Uh, for everyone listening in, thank you guys for listening in. Um, if you want to be on the podcast, you can reach out to me. Uh, email me, justin at thefoodentrepreneurs.com. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day.